Hey and welcome to Rise of the Savvy Souls, the podcast where we talk all things spirituality, healing and inner transformation. I'm your host, Sarah Flynn, spiritual growth and transformation coach, speaker and mentor, here to help you as you awaken to your soul purpose, activate your divine gifts and elevate into your goddess power. I am so excited you are here and I know that it's no coincidence that our paths have crossed. So with that in mind, let's jump straight in to this week's episode. Hey girls, I'm so excited for this week's episode and the special guest that I have with me today. I have the amazing Gina Swire. She is a self-love mentor manifesting queen and she is on a mission to globally impact a billion women to love themselves so welcome gina thank you so much for having me yay i am really excited to have this conversation with you today i would love for you to just share with our listeners a little bit about you know who you are what it is that you do yeah well oh i'm so i'm so honored to be on this podcast and it's so nice to see you again i feel like i've seen you in little chunks but it's just so nice so thank you uh yeah so what do i do oh my god i do a lot of things (laughs) i hold retreats and i um i've written a book and i coach people and have all these groups and but more than this, I just kind of like live and breathe this lifestyle. Like I just absolutely love it. I know you do as well. And it's like, <laughs> it's this mad journey. It's kind of effortless slash hard work slash everything in between. Um, but there's no other option. You know, it's, it's, it's doing me. I'm not doing it. It chose me. It's, it's happening. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see how um the women around us are going from you know one way to think about their life think about their self think about their body think about their business to the complete flip of that like looking at themselves through a completely different lens in quite a short space of time as well and it just it gets me out of bed every day puts me on a mission you know obviously we still have some some weird days in there but it was mission um yeah I just live and breathe it I love that you shared that because I think that's the thing about a a soul purpose and a mission what you said there like it chooses us like and it's kind of goes beyond all of our control and it does become this thing of we live and breathe this stuff like it's like what would your life look like without this stuff happening in it it's the sole purpose it's the sole mission for all of it and I guess or I know that'll be why you are so good at what you do because it's the essence of who you are yeah it really is thank you yeah and and also just in case anyone's thinking like how do I get to this point (laughs) um I really think it only comes in when you've done that work. Mm. You know, it finds you. You don't. I, there's that meme on Instagram that's like, um, you don't have to find your purpose. Your purpose will find you. And I think the part that they don't mention in that meme is that it's the inner work that brings the mission. And I really like this frame uh, phrase: turn your trauma into dharma. Wow. And yeah. So, you know all the things that we go through and all the things that happen to us in our life, whenever we tap into that and share that, that's when the soul purpose comes in. That's what yeah. anyway. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I love that. I've not heard it put like that before, turn your trauma into Dharma, but I always say turn your pain into power. So it's the yeah, same sort of thing, but I love that. That's a, it's an amazing thing that you touch upon that life hasn't always looked this way for you. You weren't always super clear on what your sole purpose was or what your mission was. So I would love for us to go back and for you to be able to just share with your listeners, with the listeners, what did life look like before you discovered what your sole purpose was? Well, it's been in stages. So confident child, you know, all happy and lovely childhood and, um, grew up on a nice road with lots of children and went to a nice school and all the things. And then at the age of eight, my dad left. So my dad was having an affair and he left and he married someone else and had children. And, and that I think possibly was 
involved, shall mm. we just say, that was involved. And then I was at this school and the school was quite strict. It was quite academic focused. I know most schools are, um, but it was like, you know, are you applying to Oxford and Cambridge? Are you on the first team hockey and netball? Um, and if you're not, then you just kind of, yeah, you just, you're just a number. Well, that's how it felt. So I think in school, a combination of things plus a really negative self-talk situation. Like, no, obviously at that age, we're not taught, well, I definitely wasn't taught at school about how to um, control my self-talk or anything, didn't even know what self-talk was at that point. And I really had that mean girl um, monkey on my shoulder. And so a combination of all this, and in my teenage years, I actually stopped talking at school. Like I was, I had social anxiety. I would go bright red if anyone spoke to me. I would stutter and not be able to get my words out and struggle and then kind of be horrible to myself about it. And it was this downward spiral. And so in my home life, I didn't really have that because I had like my nice friends that I felt confident with and I, I wasn't that person with them. But in my school life, I decided I wasn't intelligent. I wasn't enough. I wasn't sporty. I wasn't academic. I wasn't all these things and I wasn't a success and I wasn't going to be. And I just perpetuated that. So it turned into a few years of social anxiety. Now, the funny thing is, is if you ask any of my friends from school, they didn't realize how bad that was for me. And in a way, it wasn't it, that it was all I knew. So it's not like I'm, I'm going back and saying like, oh, my God, my life was a living hell. It wasn't like I was OK, but I did have this inner voice and this inner world that was out of harmony massively. And yeah. so, yeah, and, and that went on for quite a few years until my late teens when I got scouted for modeling and that was like exciting and also completely nerve-wracking and I didn't really want to do it um because of my nerves and my self-talk but the people around me were like you should do it you should do it my friends my dad everyone you should do it you should do it and and I guess that was good for me and so I did I went in and I went into um an, an agency in Manchester who'd scouted me a few times and they ended up telling me um, they love my look, they love my energy, probably didn't use the word energy, but they love me, but I'm too, they said, you're too heavy. You're just too heavy. You need to go away and lose a stone in weight and come back in two weeks and we have a job for you. A stone in weight in two weeks? I know. <laughs> I know. That is relentless. Yeah, so I was on, so... I went away and um, I was like, if I could lose a stone, because at that time it was all about being skinny. Well, maybe still is in some way. But I was like, if I could lose a stone, I would have lost it by now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is not an option for me. And so, um, yeah, it went and then it, it, it kind of went on and on and on. And I decided I wasn't going to do it. And in that time, the universe obviously wanted me to become a model because another agency got in touch and they wanted me to do bridal modeling. So it was all about being curvy and actually they wanted slightly bigger girls to fit the dress dresses. And so I was doing a bit of local modeling and really enjoying it and feeling confident. And then the same agency asked me to go in again and um, I was like, why would they ask me to go in again just to say, I'm too big. Uh, but when I went in again, they actually said, we want to take you on as a plus size model. The only thing is, is we need you to gain weight. We need you to put on a stone in two weeks and then we'll sign you up. And I was like, oh my God, is this some kind of joke? Oh, that does sound like a joke. Yeah. A, a joke from the universe, I think it was. But obviously I didn't get the joke then. So anyway, I did go into plus size modeling. And I did that for quite a few years and I did very well. I got signed in New York and LA and Milan and Germany and everywhere. It was just like a knock on effect. But I, ha I always had this thought, which I only uncovered about six months ago, but I used to believe that 
people, clients would only book me if no other models were available. Mm. <laughs> That's what I used to think. And actually looking back, that was complete BS and they just wanted to book me for me. But I used to think, oh, well, probably no one's available and they're just, you know, I'm the dregs. The story, the story that you're living within is like, yeah, I was the only one available and that's why I'm getting the work. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was doing really well. I was very popular plus size model. I was going all over and I was loving it in some way, but living with this inner like demon. And I used to binge eat. So I was all very healthy. I knew exactly what I was supposed to eat. And, and then I would like kind of get to my hotel room. I'd often be on my own, be quite lonely. I'd be flying around early mornings, late finishes, never know where you are, completely uprooted, no spiritual practice at this point, like no idea. Um, And just like all over the place, like this spiritual person was in there who needed these kind of boundaries and parameters and you know, to look after her energy, but had no concept of that. And so I was just blasted open on my own and I didn't know how to handle it. And I used to binge eat. Um, yeah, I used to just stuff myself and then I just couldn't understand it. And then it will perpetuate into this, like you're disgusting, you're horrible. Now you're not allowed to eat for two days. Um, yeah, so very... So then the, the inner mean girl, like even from way back in childhood was like, you know, just because life looked a certain way on the outside, you know, you're flying to LA, New York, you're getting modeling shoots at this point, but that inner mean girl was still in there very much so. And still kind of living in the story of I'm only getting these jobs because there's nobody else available. Mm. And inside is this spiritual part of you that is waiting to be expressed, is waiting to come out, is waiting to claim like boundaries and power and pull her energy back somehow but yet at this point you didn't know how exactly yeah Yeah. oh so cute (laughs) send some love to my 25 year old self in a hotel room like stuffing her face with muffins yeah I I say this all the time that like we have to love our past selves because like we were just doing the best that we could with the knowledge that we had Mm -hmm. and so what would you say then was your defining moment Mm. where you were just like, this can't be right. Like the way that I'm feeling the life that I'm or the paradigm that I'm living in and the way that I'm punishing myself, like eating or not eating, this can't be right. There has to be more to life than this. What was the defining moment for you? Glastonbury. (laughs) I think I was 29 um and so in my late teens I got into partying I, mean, I was always into partying and I know you were into partying yeah, me so. too. <laughs> Party girls at heart um which I think again is like another way to just get out of you literally get out of your head out of your face and be into something else which is kind of a spiritual journey in a way when you look back at it <laughs> it is do you know what one of my things was with with partying recently what one of my realizations anyway this feels like truth for me mm. the the partying for me was yeah it was growth and it was an amazing experience but i get activated in such a way by music mm. and and i mean activated spiritually now that i understand it mm. and so even back then i feel like that was just the first little sign of a connection to consciousness and a connection to source was was through the DJ. I am always like, God is a DJ. God is a- I'm goose pimpling as you're saying this because that isn't, you know, that's God is a DJ. Like when you're there with those vibrations, like look at sound healing. Yeah. We all we all go in our lovely white things with our mala beads and our crystals to sound healing and get like vibed off a big gong. What do you think we were doing in warehouse project and sound <laughs> super clubs were like Gah. <laughs> Exactly. Divine. <laughs> exactly that. So I, I said that on a post the other week. I was like, actually, God was a DJ. That was my first spiritual experience was like in festivals and in, in the crowds. Like there's no, there's no better feeling. I know. I totally <laughs> agree. Yeah. And, and I did have quite a bit of shame around that because I was like, yeah, I used to party nonstop and I, I did used to drink loads, which 
I'm not a drinker at all anymore. It just doesn't vibe with me, but he's drinking and I, I, all these things and lots of crazy, crazy things, good, fun, crazy things. And I had a lot of shame around it. That's bad. That's negative. Shouldn't be doing that. And it's only like more recently that I'm like, no, that was such part, big part of my path. And it really helped me. In fact, like really, really helped me really. What really, really, really helped me was when I took my first mind altering substance and uh, which I never normally talk about, but I was going to throw it out there. This um, is the place we're going there with this podcast. It wants to be said. <laughs> yeah, and I remember because I used to go out and I'd spend three hours getting ready with all my friends and everything meticulous had to be perfect, and it was this constant striving for 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 perfection, which I know a lot of people can relate to. And you know, all the girls would be there, I'd love them all, but I'd be in competition with how good we all look secretly but not addressing that of course and they'd sort of come out in one outfit and then I'd be like oh now this outfit that I was happy with I'm not now happy with I need to do better so it was this horrible feeling and by the time I actually got out I was that drunk and that up in my head and that like stressed and not grounded not in my body that I'm sure I would have walked into a place with the weirdest energy just like something would have been off. And although, I, I mean, I would have these nights on an, on nights out where sometimes I'd be like a complete magnet to everything. Cue jumping, getting everywhere free, getting all my friends in, man magnet, getting drinks sent over the bar, you know, all those things. And then other days it was like I was completely invisible, completely invisible. And now I know when I look back, it's, a, it's an energy game, completely. It's an energy yeah. game. But I used to get so frustrated, like, what is this? Why am I invisible? And of course, that makes you more invisible. Yeah, you're dimming down even more, which is just like holding you back. Cycle. Yeah, so the first night, I remember, I went to, um, what's it called? Swedish House Mafia, the Apollo. It was my birthday. And I, I was a very, very late starter with all this. Like, all my friends had dabbled with things, and I'd always not. And my dad actually died when I was 24 and I had a massive awakening at that. That's a whole different story. And it was like two years after that, that I had this like very guided like voice. This is what you're doing tonight. You're going to take this and you're going to go there and this is how it's going to go. And I was like, Oh yeah, no questions asked, even though I'd never wanted anything to do with any of that till this point. And that night I was there, I was dancing and it was a bit, I was a bit nervous, but I kind of was following this guidance. Didn't know what the guidance was at that point. And that night, like, obviously you're in a pure state of bliss and love and all my walls were down and I would never approach anyone on night out because I was so like guarded and I was so stressed and I was so up in my head and so focused on what I looked like. And of course you don't care what you look like. You just pure love. You're like open. You're just vibing. You just love everything and everyone. And honestly, like it sounds bonkers, but that was an awakening completely because for a year after that, I didn't do anything again like that. Um, but I would, when I was on a night out and I feel myself getting this up in my head stressed, I'd be like, how would I be if I was you know, there. And I was like, I'd be just open and I'd like smile at people and it'd be pure love. And, and that's honestly how I started to come out of my shell. Wow. I love that because before that experience, you didn't know how to be that way because all of your filters and your limitations were blocking you from feeling that. And so it's such a nice way of putting it that be, you know, prior to this experience you kind of felt like caged in in your perceptions of yourself and locked in your inner world and then you had the most free and experience which let you know that freedom was possible that it was attainable and so then you knew how to take yourself back to that place again and again and again and that's very much like the spiritual path isn't it always like we know that that place exists mm. so it's about returning to love again and again and again yeah. Oh my God. Constant goose pimples in this conversation. I'm I know. I know. We actually have loads of similarities as well. Cause I was the same. I was like little miss, like, Oh, I'm never going near anything. And then it was like, um, 24 when I had like that experience as well. And I was like, Oh wow, 
there's so much more to life than what my two eyes have been seeing. Mm. And then, then becomes the, the spiritual journey, I guess. Mm. So where did that lead you from after that? Because then, you know, you had this experience, you then got to understand that there was more. Mm. Yeah. How did you then go from there to self-love mentor, manifesting queen? Yeah, so oh, I was going to mention about Glastonbury. So Glastonbury was the turning point. It was the grand finale of my old life. And it had built up, so I'd had that experience around 26, got into partying um, that way and kind of like, I was, I was already like, I'm not really enjoying this modeling thing. I am enjoying it. It's easy for me, but it's not something missing. I just, I knew that I knew, you know, being pulled from pillar to post and people prodding and poking you and you have a lot of freedom, but are you really free? Not really. And my main thing in life is freedom. And so, yeah, I'd already started to have these things and I was feeling more and more unhealthy. I was a plus size model. I was getting bigger and bigger. I was living in America. They were always wanting me to be bigger, 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 bigger. And, you know, they're like, oh, if you were just a bit bigger, we could have got you this campaign for 40 grand. And it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to put on weight for money. But then I'll go out for lunch and eat two croissants rather than one because there's no reason not to. So I was getting bigger. I was feeling more disconnected, more unhealthy, living in New York as well, which is like, yeah, fast paced. <laughs> like that's how I explain New York. It's cool, but it's like, on the <laughs> that's the vibe. <laughs> yeah. And so this was going on. I knew, I knew something needed to change, but I didn't, I honestly didn't think I had any skills or anything else. I didn't have a plan B. I knew all my friends at the time, they'd all been building themselves up through, you know, corporate things and they were getting, you know, those bigger wages and whatever. And I was thinking, oh my God, I've got nothing. I've built nothing. And this is going to end at some point anyway. Like, what am I going to do? So I came back to, I was supposed to be going to Glastonbury, big mess up. My agent booked me on a job. Then it got canceled. Then I ended up going and I ended up turning up to Glastonbury late and I couldn't find any of my friends and I ended up meeting this guy and we had this crazy few days and I was completely disconnected from myself. Like I, I was gone. I was, com- I was just like, it was, I just, I was at such a massive crossroads, big mess. And after that, that day, the last day of Glastonbury, I was like, boom. That, that chapter is done. The end. I just knew. I was like, I'm done with this. This is not how I want to feel. And I'm going to a new world. And so after that, I did go back to New York. I had the biggest job of my life, biggest modeling job, biggest money job, biggest like exposure job. The thing that I'd been building up to all these years, 14 years. And I just got there and I was like, no, this is a no from me. Total no. And I just yeah. left, flew home. And on the plane, I um, made a, I made, well, I didn't really know what a vision board was exactly, but I kind of made my first vision board. And then within three months, I just made it all happen. And uh, yeah, so in that time, came back to Manchester, bought a house and essentially lied on my lounge floor with no furniture for three months thinking what the hell have I done but I know I've done it for a reason but what have I done and what am I going to do and oh my god and who am I and my world collapsed caved in I had to surrender it was horrendous and great and amazing and yeah just cleared everything cleared all past boyfriends all the men that are on the bench like giving me outside validation cleared all of those went vegan um quit all my old friends, quit my job, quit New York, everything. Just quit, quit using my phone. And I just like, I just like got on child's pose on my new floor. And I was just like, (laughs) and um, yeah, about three months in of that, I started to get the downloads. I knew what I knew from the inside out what I was doing, but I had no guide, no mentor, no one in my family got it. None of my old friends got it. I didn't have my new friends yet. 
I didn't know who Gabby Bernstein was at this point. <laughs> like this in-between awkward phase, isn't it? Where like your family think you're having a breakdown. They think you've lost your mind. And you you just know deep within like you're doing the right thing. You know things are coming. You, you know things are unfolding and manifesting, but they're not quite there yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big. It felt very distant. But... Um, carried on, persevered, and um, yeah, and then the first lightning bolt that hit me was, well, one of the things that I'd been heavily outsourcing, which, which is kind of a metaphor for life, is the way I dressed. I didn't, I would walk into Topshop on Oxford Road, and I would be like, who am I? I don't, I can't dress myself. I've been dressed up as different people for 14 years by stylists and I've completely lost track of who I am. And I knew that. And this one day I was in my room and also I dropped a load of weight as soon as I left New York. Like I dropped two dress sizes in. It it was two weeks. It was the weirdest thing. It was just like, you don't need that anymore. Wow. Mechanism. Wow. physical and spiritual and energetic transformation going on <laughs> and so and that sounds kind of like a marketing ploy when I say that but it genuinely isn't like I had no and it was so scary because I was like I'm a plus size model and yes I've quit but I did want to keep that door open because that's where my income comes from and I'm quite good at it but no the universe was like absolutely not drop the weight that's <laughs> And so none of my clothes fit. And I was in my spare room again, still no furniture with all my clothes. And I was just picking things up. And for the first time ever, I wasn't even looking at the clothing. I was just picking it up, putting it near my heart. And I could feel if it was me or not. I was like, no, no. Oh yeah, no, no. And I, I, it like awoke me to who I am. And I, I was like, if I'm the only person who knows how to dress me, Yes, stylists can dress me up as someone else, but I'm the only person that knows who I am. So that was like my first awakening. And then that night, I rang probably hmm, three key men in my life, like exes, and I apologized to them. And this was just like, where is this coming from? But I'm like, I'm ringing my ex. Oh, I'm apologizing to him. Oh, and I was like, I'm yeah, I'm really, I'm just starting to get it. Like I didn't know how to love then. And you really did. They really did know how to love me, but I just didn't get it. But now I get it. And I'm so sorry that that, like, I didn't know how to love you. And they were just like, oh my God, this is the day I've been waiting for. Wow. Yeah. And then this whole thing went on. And that night I literally ran, I took my top off and ran into the park and howled at the moon. And so nowadays, that's not that weird. How the moon, moon things, taking top off, being naked. But then that was weird. (laughs) Yeah, only now now it's starting to get like, yeah, it's kind of normal for us to talk about like our spirit guides and our team and like the moon and stuff. I can imagine back then. (laughs) Yeah, so that week, well, over the next couple of months, I had a lot of serious downloads. Um, again, I didn't really know what that was then, but I was just having these like insights. And the next one that came was, it was almost like the universe had got out a big piece of paper, like a big, uh, what are those things called? Like a scroll and written on it what I needed to know. I could just see it clearly for the first time ever. Wow. And what, it's, what, it, what it showed me is that I've been trying to be something else my whole life. I've been trying to be more intelligent, more thin, more fat, more tall, more beautiful, less beautiful to fit in with my friends, less beautiful to fit in with men, dim dim myself down, light myself up, all these things, but I've never actually tried just being me and maybe I should try it. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting concept. Never done that. <laughs> that like one of those profound moments but it, it's like all of the things that we experience in life are those experiences like you said with your modeling you need to be thinner and then two weeks later it was you need to put on more weight so it's like no wonder you had all of these conflict and beliefs that it wasn't just safe yeah or not even giving yourself permission to just be you and so mm-hmm. you know, when you get that realization it is like being struck by lightning <laughs> 
Yeah. And it's interesting because on Tuesday, was it Tuesday? This week, I did a little modeling job. A kind of old friend asked me to do a job and it was for gorgeous evening dresses and, you know, super easy in this lovely house in Old Edge. And I was like, yeah, full body, yes. I don't really do modeling anymore, but I'm totally up for this. And so I went along and, you know, wearing all the dresses and da da da. And then one dress I put on and it was too big for me. It would, they brought me the wrong size. And my initial thought was, oh God, I needed to be bigger for this. Like I need to change. And then I was like, oh look, it's still there. That's wow. so cute. And obviously the way I deal with that now is very different because back then I used to be, you know, if they were like, oh, your hair's too long, it's covering the garment. I'd be like, oh, I should have had my hair cut. And then I go to the next job and they're like, your hair's too short. We needed a mermaid log. And I'm like, oh my God, I should have grown my hair. I've done something wrong. But now I was like, oh my God, look, I'm trying to be a people pleaser, but I'm just me. That's it. Yeah, this is who I am. I think that's the biggest, the biggest journey of all time, isn't it? To not be in people pleasing mode anymore, but just to be like, this is me. This is who I am. This is my energy. This is what lights me up. Mm. This is what gives me life. And this is how I bring my value and my expression into the world. And there's such, like you said before, you value freedom and I do too. But what I definitely learned along my journey was it wasn't necessarily the freedom of travel that I was craving. It was the freedom of self-expression. And that's mm -hmm. where I'm guessing you are at this point too. <laughs> yeah. And like we were just having a brief conversation before about being back in England. And I do think you hit the nail on the head there because quite often I'm like, oh, I'm craving being back in Bali or I'm craving being in my tantric spiritual burning man community in LA or whatever, um, where I feel I can be more me, but actually how can I just be more me here? And yes, I do get some funny looks in England. <laughs> That's the realization that I had too. Mm. was why do I need to keep booking flights to go be more me? I can just give myself permission to be more me, but right here. But yeah, <laughs> definitely like... <laughs> and the other part of that, which I don't know if you have, I'm not sure what your situation is with this at the minute, but I also had a massive realization in the first week of lockdown. A lot of things have happened in lockdown. I know what they have for everyone. I had this realization. I was like, oh yeah, I've been thinking, I've been telling myself the story. Well, I'm not going to meet my one in England. There's no way. He doesn't live here. There's no one for me in England. So I'm, you know, when I come back to England, it's like, yeah, I'm in England, but this isn't where I'm going to meet my one. So I need to like get out as soon as possible. I need to go somewhere where people's ones might exist. So that's obviously Bali or that's obviously LA or that's obviously Ibiza or, you know, in these spiritual communities where we can be more us and people can be as well. And I'm not going to meet him here. And then I was like, hold on. We live in an infinite world. I know this. The universe flies them in. Like, why should I have to go somewhere else? And I've realized that I've had this seeking energy because I've thought what I want isn't available. Why are we so in sync right now? <laughs> I'm just laughing because <laughs> this, this was the exact thing for me as well. I, I would be like, I am convinced that like my one is not in this country. Like I'm just going to book another flight to LA because that's where my people are. Mm -hmm. And then throughout lockdown, it really forced me to, I guess, like face the truth. And it's like, that there is that seeking energy with it and that's that's coming from a place of lack that's not coming from a place of abundance mm. and so yeah my realization in lockdown was the same thing was like hold on a minute I can be my full essence here first and foremost mm. I don't need to jump on a plane to then give myself permission to be who I truly am I can just bring that to the UK mm. and people can like it or not like it that's on them and then secondly I don't need to seek for anything. Like the universe is going to serve up to me exactly what is for me in divine timing in ways greater than I ever could have imagined. And the same with that being the one or my one, whatever. Same principle. Yeah. Manifest absolutely anything. I don't need to go out and seek it. It's going to come to me. 
Mm. When I am, when I am my most activated and magnetic self. Yeah. The most you. Yeah. And, and being a, being a seeker and going out trying to be the most you, like that's not us actually being the most us. That was like 2019 vibes. (laughs) Yeah. We're in 2020 now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, what year are we in? Yeah. Can I tell you something that's happening kind of real time that that links in with this, that is again, probably a cosmic joke. I've not actually shared this with anyone. Um, so I, uh, lockdown is just kind of over and, you know, um, I met this guy and I was like, Oh my God, see, there is a guy like this in England amazing you know like conscious guy and all the all the things and so we go on a date and we have this amazing date and like conscious hot and local like that was the thing I never thought existed and I was like universe you really got and done it this time thank you more please you know da, da, da. anyway this is a very very new this is very fresh anyway have this date and I was like oh this feels really good just to know that this exists thank you so it doesn't have to become anything. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so last night I was giving a workshop, which is was called Self-Talk Mastery. It was probably my most subscribed ever workshop. And, you know, all day I've been chatting to this guy. I've been in this like energy, you know, that just like fun energy of having kind of even very freshly met someone. So I give the talk, Self-Talk Mastery, and all, all day he's like sending me videos and we'd plan to meet today, Friday. So I give this talk on mastering the mean girl in a voice and all these things. And I'm kind of talking about some of these concepts similar to what we we're talking about. And I get off the phone and it, I was absolutely buzzing. Like everyone's messaging me like, oh, oh, so good, so good. I had a brainwave, had a light bulb, blah, blah, blah. And I get a message from him and I'm like, oh, he's going to be like, how did it go? He's like, mm, I don't think we should meet again. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh I can imagine oh I was like oh okay well and he, he, you know he's he sent me this lovely message and I was like oh do you do you want to talk this do you want to communicate about this and um no response so last night I having just given a self-talk webinar I'm sat there and I'm like oh interesting you know there's all these different options of what could have happened that I could attach to at any time but I choose to trust in the divine. I choose to trust in the universe and I completely trust that whatever unfolds is right and perfect. And that and I stuck to it so much, like having just given this self, I was like, is this a cosmic joke? I think this is. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> that is like, sometimes it can be like so obvious and in your face that you're just like, wow, this was clearly meant to happen this way that it's like on the night of your self-talk you're giving yourself the self-talk timing thanks universe you've really got a good sense of humor they have they really have got a good sense of humor (laughs) like i know that for sure (laughs) um i'd share that like just because like now we do all this amazing stuff and we coach people like stupid shit still happens and we still have to deal with it. We just have like tools that help. Yeah. And I think that's important to share because we do have days where it's like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? What does this mean? I always say like universe, like show me what I'm not seeing. There's something I mustn't be seeing. So like make me aware of it, but like how, Cause you always come across with like a fun energy, like the cosmic joke thing. Like how did you get to that place where you just able to make it fun, make it be about the cosmic joke rather than it being like, <gasps> you know, like I'm going to wallow in self pity now and I'm going to feel really bad, even though everything else is really good. I'm going to stay attached to this one thing. Yeah. So that, I could see there was a reality where I could have dropped into, he doesn't fancy me, I'm too much, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough for him, um, I'm not thin enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, I go traveling too much, or, you know, there was a reality where I could have dropped into any of that at any one time. It's still there, it's available, but I chose 
not to attach to that. I chose not to believe to it, believe it. And then there's also another reality where I could have attached to, well, he's just not ready for me. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's useless. No, no conscious guys. Oh, universe actually. Yeah. I knew there wasn't any good guys in England. Now I do need to go to Bali. What the hell? What is this place? You know, that was also an option as well. And I could see it all floating around and I was like, <laughs> and you know also i'm i'm a big advocate of like getting the energy out so i was like kind of like hmm, this doesn't seem right and then a little later i was like fuck him like how dare you and I, so i was smashing my pillow into the bed to like shift the energy and like dance into this crazy tribal song which shifted the energy um but to answer more what you what you asked me specifically like how did I get to this point um so when we were talking about that in those early stages of like I I I started to learn to choose myself I was like yeah everything can be happening on the outside world but I choose myself I choose to trust I choose um I choose love at any one time and at first, I might have had to choose that a thousand times a day and keep coming back to it a thousand times a day. But I was committed to choosing myself and also not abandoning myself. So when something would happen, and at that time I was starting to coach people on health and, you know, sometimes you'd have the call and someone would be like, yeah, I want to work with you. And then they're like, yeah, I'm not going to work with you. And you're like, where? And, um, that's where you could I could have dropped into abandonment and been like oh I'm not very good coach and they don't want to work with me and never gonna make it and I could have abandoned myself but actually I would choose like no if there's one person that's gonna love themselves in this world it's gonna be me and if there's one person that's gonna love me it's gonna be me that's the only one I've got control of so let let me do that now okay I love you and I would actually like run through this little thing um which, by the way, I find, because obviously I talk about self-love, I'm the self-love, the self-love queen, um, I find that a lot of people know a lot about self-love and talk about it and, and know the concepts and, you know, may have done a lot of this in a work, but how actually often do your, the listeners do or do us, um, how often do I uh, actually just sit and I'm like, I love you like you know and actually like anchor that back in because we can talk the talk and we can do all the things but just having two minutes a day where you actually just love on yourself it raises your vibe like I did it uh when was it on a workshop with a bunch of people and I just got them to do it and I was like just love on yourself for two minutes like stroke yourself love on yourself be with yourself and they're all just sat there like yeah <laughs> on the webinar and I was like yeah it's very simple but we so sometimes simple. think mm. so simple so that we can overlook it that's the that's the thing with the simple things it's like it's that simple that it mustn't work or it's that simple that we must forget about it yeah exactly like if you had to go to a class that you had to pay you know if you had to go to like a an LA fitness class to do that it was fifty dollars people will probably do it more. You do know that that's going to happen. <laughs> Maybe this is your next thing. <laughs> A franchise of like hugging sessions just for yourself. Oh but like... Genius. Yeah, it actually is genius. <laughs> but you're so right because you know, you, you can be on a spiritual path and you can be on a growth path and you can be doing all of the things, but you can so easily forget to just do the simple thing and love yourself before trying to serve others or love yourself before other things that you're trying to take care of. And so it really is, I liked what you said before about just that decision to choose yourself and something I always um, share with my clients as you'll teach as well in inner child work is like we have to then become the parent of ourselves we have to be the one that provides the love for ourselves rather than you know depending on other people to show us that love or depending on the external validation or any of the other wounded behaviors that we've been living in it's like the biggest shift happens the moment you realize that that's on you that no one's coming to save you that no one's going to ever be able to make you feel a certain way 
that you can't make yourself feel first. Yes, I totally, I'm totally with you. Um, caveat to that, if you do want to be consciously saved by a man on a white horse, you can also create that. Like, uh, you don't need him to save you, but you might desire it. Desire him to save yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, like, there's a part of me that every time I said, nobody's coming to save you, you have to da-da-da, a little piece of me would still die, a little bit. I'd be like, I hope someone is. <laughs> I like romance, and I like horses, and I like men, and I like them in that order. <laughs> <laughs> I really do want someone to whisk me off my feet, not because I need them to, I've proved I can travel the world, and have a business, and live my life, and be happy, and be loved, and have all the things all by myself, but I also still want to be consciously swept off my feet by a white. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you completely. Like you can desire to want to have that experience. Yeah. Um, but it's not coming. It's coming from a whole different energy. It's not coming from a, when is this going to happen? I so need this to happen, but it's actually like life's amazing. And when that happens, that will just be the cherry on top. Yeah. Yeah. It's the cherry on the cake, not the whole cake. You are the cake. Yes. Let's eat lots of cake. Thank you, Gina. So to finish, I've loved our conversation today, by the way, and I'm sure our listeners will too. To finish, what would you say to um, anyone who's maybe just starting out on the path of self-love? Maybe they didn't even know that they had the option to choose themselves up until this point. Like, what would be your advice for them starting out? The first thing that's coming to me is to create space. So I mean this across all levels, physically, like I'm really into feng shui at the minute. Oh, well, I have been for a while, but literally clear everything that doesn't belong. Like if you don't pick it up and think this sparks joy, like ask yourself the question from Marie Kondo's book, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't get rid, like if you want to live in joy, you need to be surrounded by joyful things. So anything else, and even if that means you live in a bare house, that is going to be better for your energy field. And I like this example of, um, and this is a personal example of having a big wardrobe full of clothes. And some of them are old and some of them don't fit. Some of them are from when I was thin or fat or this or that. Some of them are ripped, whatever. And it's packed. And I'm trying to bring in like a new identity of this like, you know, rose gold goddess. And I'm bringing it in new clothes and I'm stuffing them into the side of the wardrobe. And then I can't even find them and it's a complete show. But if I clear that wardrobe first of the stuff that doesn't serve me and then put them in, I can clearly find the new identity clothings. So same for your physical world. So definitely with clothes. Oh my God, the amount of women I have said, if it doesn't fit you, get rid. Don't be that person who's like, I'm going to squeeze myself into these. I'm going to shame myself into this one day get rid, get rid, get rid, and tell me when you've done it. This is a big thing, huge energy thing. And so physically, in the physical world, clear space, clear old friendships, do burning routines. I'm sure you teach that as well. Burning rituals, um, energetically in your phone, go through your phone, get rid of old X pictures, like be ruthless and just know that you're taking one step closer to the energy you want to be in. Even if you're like, oh, I kind of want to hang on to these because this was memories and whatever. Like ruthless is really good. Burn your old journals, like G drive. Oh my God, my G drive is like so fresh right now. I did. I love that. (laughs) Everything is clear, clear, clear. And I can send you a link to actually, hmm, yeah. Oh my God. Did you ever do the womb blessing? Yeah. So funnily enough, I'd, I've been on that path for like the past eight months or so. So I've been having major shifts with womb activation and womb healing, but yeah. That, yeah, I just also, same, obviously we're sinking like- Yeah, totally. crazily. <laughs> I'm reading this book called Womb Awakening, which is pretty intense book, but really cool. And halfway through it, I was like, I feel I need like some ritual. Clicked on YouTube, found this thing. 
and oh my god I ended up sending it to my whole list I've had all these women sending me back like I've not had an orgasm in five years and I just have or I've not had a period for a year and now I have and I literally came on my cycle a week early in the middle of the night which I never do after listening to this womb thing mm-hmm. it's magical my clients have been having that as well because we go through the whole divine feminine um journey and that's that's the shifts they're experiencing too it's an it's like an activation of of the goddess within is how how i perceive it and we're just tapping into more of that pleasure and divinity and nature yeah. Ooh, I feel yeah. like that's a, I feel like that's a whole other podcast. We need to do another podcast on um, womb activation and, and womb healing and all of the things. But I loved what you shared about making space. Yeah. Um, that's definitely a place that I'm in in my life right now as I move into a new space. I kind of looked at everything in that I have now and I was kind of like, do I want to take most of this with me? Or do I feel like a new identity is waiting to be born? And I, and I do. So, you know, 30% of my things are coming with me. 70% are just getting oh. donated or sold or left behind. Oh my God, that's so exciting. And and obviously we're sinking because I'm looking at buying a house in England. I, I have a house in Manchester, but I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to me now to have a house in Manchester that's not near my family. Like, what? Where, why did I want to live an hour away? That seems weird to me now. But mm. All of the shifts definitely yeah. sinking. I feel like we need to do, yeah, other podcasts again on different things because we could go down many rabbit holes. But thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your glorious insights and fun vibes with our listeners. I appreciate having you on here. Thank you. It's been so nice catching up and amazing questions. And you're so, um, Ooh, niche like specifically reflective it feels really good I feel really seen so thank you as well yay you're so welcome <laughs> so thank you girls for taking a listen to this week's episode please don't forget to rate subscribe and also to leave us a comment if you loved this episode and wherever you are in the world we are both sending you so much love and I will see you next time <laughs>